Welcome to the podcast, From Crisis to Connection. I'm Jeff Stewart, licensed marriage and family therapist, and I'll be bringing the professional perspective. I'm Jody Stewart, unlicensed wife, mother, daughter, sister, friend, and neighbor, and I'll be bringing the regular everyday perspective. We are all about relationship recovery, and we'll tackle tough topics like infidelity, abuse, addiction, pornography, and betrayal trauma. We also focus on helping you build stronger connections in your most important relationships. So thanks for joining us. We're glad you're here. Welcome back to the podcast, everyone. Yeah, welcome back. It's great to be here again. Before we jump into our topic, we want to let you know about a free download you can access today, which is the first steps to rebuilding trust. It's a video course that walks you through some of the foundational steps for rebuilding trust in a relationship. And it has information for the person who broke the trust, the person who was betrayed, and for the couple. And you can download that today by clicking on the link in the show notes, put in your email address, and we'll send it right away. Okay, let's jump right into our topic today. Okay. This topic is, you know, at least in my practice and a lot of the stuff we we talk about is, you know, involving like a guy that has betrayed his wife, you know, usually sexually or some other kind of big betrayal. And so we're going to we're going to use language around that, at, you know, talking about like what guys can do kind of a thing. But of course, this can go both directions. And so if you're listening to this and you're the one that's broken the trust, um, hopefully you can just transpose that and, and put yourself in there. But we're going to talk about this dynamic that happens where people that have broken trust, you know, guys that have broken trust, they definitely need to focus on repairing the damage that they've done and keeping the attention on the partner. But a lot of guys will say things to me like, but I'm also hurting. Sure. What am I supposed to do with all of my pain? It's not like I've just lived in some vacuum. It's like my partner has also hurt me, made mistakes. There's been some betrayals or attachment issues or struggles that we've had over the years. And, but I feel like all we talk about now is just what I've done to her. All we're talking about is just this very, what feels like a very one-sided conversation. And so a lot of guys early on, maybe at some level are fine letting it be like that, but eventually start to wear out and feel like their own pain is getting in the way. And so this is a question that comes up a lot in my work. Also in our Connection Plus community, we've had this come up. Yeah. And so it's something we want to talk about in terms of, you know, I guess the crux of the question here, the main question is, is what do I do to stay healthy and balanced and still be accountable for, you know, my wife's hurt and how do I be there for her? But also what do I do with all of my stuff Sure. that's still under the surface? So do you want me to jump in? I've got some ideas. Yeah, or... you better. Okay. You better. <laughs> I do. I see this a lot. I work with this a lot. So I'll start it off and and talk about some of the things that I've seen. I think, first of all, a lot of guys, in my experience, a lot of guys severely underestimate how long it takes, like how long it takes to rebuild trust. Oh, absolutely. So I think that managing expectations is huge. Yeah, that's a great place to start for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Because it kind of, it starts to feel like my intentions are good. I'm, I'm doing what I can to work my recovery. And so come on, like, let's all get on this train. And it doesn't work like that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's, I think it's shocking, actually. Mm. I would even use that word. I think it's shocking to a lot of guys how long this takes. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know that anybody starts off this process with a, a certain time frame. Some do. Some think it should be over that day. I've run into that. 
Well, I think in general, we don't expect things like of this nature to take as long as they do because so many things don't. Even with our own personal healing. Yeah. You know, yeah. not We're to not mention. We're not accustomed right. to just, you know, we can get places quick. We can have quick <laughs> oh, conversations. True. We can, I mean, so much of what we can do is quick. We get immediate results in many, many areas of life. But this in relationships and in personal growth, it can be shocking how long it takes for change to happen. Yeah. And I think there's this tension there that basically to me says, if it happens too fast, it's more untrustworthy. If the the healing or the trust, like if it's almost like, oh, magically we're just better. Like if, oh, yeah. if that were to happen too fast, I think human nature would be suspicious of it. Like quick right. fixes. We don't. Well, bones don't heal fast. Right. Yeah. Right. We yeah, just things like this take time. We know that things just don't heal. We yeah, we have like physical examples of that every day that things take time to heal. You know, you don't rebuild a building quickly. Like mm-hmm. things just take time. But somehow in the relationship aspect, we sort of think that there's different rules that apply to that. Out of, you know, I th- I think that's common. A lot of people really think that it should look and feel different. Or they say like I know it takes time, but not that much time. Yeah. So I yeah. think it's important just to recognize that whatever time frame you think it is, just add on more Double time. that. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. And then some. <laughs> just, yeah. 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 Exactly. Yeah, that can for sure get annoying. Are you referring to our family members, like how much he loves mayonnaise? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was thinking about that. Yeah, we have a, a, family, a family member who makes this great comment when we're making lunches together, when we gather and... He says, I'd like extra mayonnaise, but I want you to think about, when I say extra mayonnaise, think about that amount and then double that. That's how much mayonnaise I want, <laughs> which is awesome. I yeah. love it. So it's probably but like that with healing. Where we are here. Think yes. about how long it would probably take to heal this and then just go ahead and double that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's another thing, going back to what you said about us being used to quick solutions, people that struggle with compulsive or addictive behaviors have trained their brains to be used to immediate solutions. Yeah. Yeah. There's a, yeah, there's a learning that needs to go on mm-hmm. to like build up some resilience to dealing with navigating hard feelings, hard situations yeah. for sure. And that, so it's going to feel like an eternity to yes. somebody who doesn't have practice in not getting relief from difficulty. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's not been a lot of practice with yeah. it. And for a lot of a lot of people that I've talked to over the years, this has started with since they were kids. And so a lot of brain development, a lot of learning about like getting, you know, having like this kind of way of coping with uncertainty, with, you know, emotional tension, with unpredictability. I can have this area of my life where I can get this predictable response, which is oftentimes something addictive. And it can be food. Mm-hmm. It can be sex. It can be spending money or people pleasing. You can kind of bypass that natural process of things taking time by getting sort of the the benefits of of a reward of some kind. And that's a hard thing to you can't really short circuit that. Or I guess you could say what's what's a jump start or a, a car? Oh, hotwire. Hot you yeah. can't hotwire that with couples recovery because otherwise you're just manipulating another person. Yeah. To speed things up. So yeah, so those are so I think the first thing I would say is just to reset expectations. And I don't want to belabor this point, but this is the one I come back to a lot. And a lot of guys will look at me and be like, "But how long, Jeff? Like seriously? Yeah. I've been in this 
or a lot of times by the time they come into counseling or by the time that they show up, they've already, they feel like they've already been doing oh, this for slogging. a while. Yeah, for so long. But just passing time in like a defensive way or a pushy way or an avoidant way, mm. that's not really, as hard as it is to say this, it's not really going to count toward the healing of the relationship. No. It's going to, in fact, it may have set it back. Mm-hmm. So we want to have you, yes, time, but time in the, in the way that's actually promoting healing and connection. And that's, and that's what we teach and talk about a lot. Mm-hmm. Which is, so that, that yeah. process will be dicey. Mm-hmm. And so maybe not to, I think it's just worth saying that it's going to take time. And yes, it's going to take time doing the right kinds of things. Mm-hmm. But it, there's a room in there to get frustrated and have expectations that don't fit mm-hmm. and then dial it back, yeah. reset. It's going to look like that. It's going to be a bit of a roller coaster like that for somebody learning. Yeah. And for the guys listening or the person who's broken the trust, the, the one thing I'll just add to that and warn you is in those net, very natural setbacks and frustrations, just do everything you can to not blame your partner for those, to not put those on your partner as like they're slowing down the process. Mm. Or, or they're creating this drama or they're... Oh, if only they'd hurry it up or if yeah, they would just it can put, be open to you, you wouldn't be in this position. Instead of just recognizing this process is just hard. Yeah. Right. Just recognizing that, yeah, we're, we, you know, we're both in a process that's just new and unfamiliar and difficult and really being gentle with each other through this process is critical. Yeah. And yes, there might be individual things each person is doing to, to slow it down or make it harder, but it's hard to really see all of that in the middle of it. And so it's just important to look at, you know, for, especially for the person who broke the trust who we're speaking to today, for them just to step back and just double check, triple check, make sure that they are showing up and working their process and, and trying to promote healing. And again, it's okay to be frustrated. And, and it's also helpful if you do feel like you want to talk about how it's not working or it's hard or it's unhelpful, then you know, talk with a therapist or talk mm, with the sponsor, trusted friend, someone yeah. who's yeah mature and stable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That can just give you a place to share what you're going through, kind of help you maybe verbalize and sort it out, mm-hmm. but also help you move forward and not just right. stay stuck and whining and blaming. and. Right. So if stuff. the first thing is managing expectations, the second one is what we've just kind of Um, landed in here, which is you are a human and you need to be able to have your experience of feeling frustrated, of even feeling hurt by your partner, of even experiencing those things. Just because you've been the one that hurt someone doesn't mean that you can't be hurt or that you haven't been hurt. It's just that your partner, betrayed partner is going to have a diminished capacity in the immediate aftermath or even dealing with long years of, of these patterns. They will have a diminished capacity to hear and care about your personal experience. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for a while. There's an occasional couple that comes in where the betrayed partner can really hold space for the impact they've had on their partner. Mm. That is rare because the acuteness of trauma, it just makes it hard to see that when there's been a lot of hurt, a lot of, but you know, down the road for a healthy relationship to thrive, both people have to understand the way they impact each other. Yeah. That's a task for a couple. It is. Nobody gets to escape that. It is. This is a matter of timing. Timing. Mm -hmm. So in that short term where it's acute and you're hurting and you're not getting through or there's been past hurts or you're struggling with it, 
that, like we said, that's where having a support system for yourself is huge of having people that you can talk to so that you can be witnessed and be a human and be validated. Yeah. Is it helpful in this scenario to talk about it in terms of of triage? Like if you're dealing with a wound that's gaping and bleeding and profusely and very serious, that that wound needs more attention than even a broken bone. This is absolutely about triage. I love that you brought that up. So the most immense wound just needs the most care. Mm -hmm. But eventually, the other wounds will need care. Right. Yeah. And should get it if the relationship is on a track for healing. Mm -hmm. Right. It's like I'm listening to David Goggin's book right now about Anyway, just it's it's called Never Finished. But in this book, he's talking about, he's been a first responder EMS. And he says, one thing they teach you is when you come up on the scene of an accident, you'll see a lot of things that need to be taken care of. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and he says, you've got to stay with you the can't ABCs. Get lost. Airway, mm-hmm. right? Breathing. Breathing. Is that airway? No. A- oh. Anyway, I don't know what they are. Oh, yeah. What is I'm not a first responder. It's been a while for me. <laughs> but yes, airway, circulation. circulation. Mm-hmm. Somebody's going to have to message me and tell me, I'll look it up anyway. I think it is airway breathing circulation. Yeah, that's right. You just want to make sure the airway clear. is clear, clear that's and what make is. sure that they're breathing yeah. and that their blood is circulating. Those are all <laughs> the big three. Those three. It doesn't that, matter that if their leg life. is broken, right? Yeah, no. Nope. doesn't matter. Not for the time being, if, no. Right. If their foot's caught in something, like that's okay, like that. And so that triage is really critical. And what he says is that, some of the other stuff can seem so crazy and so big and so important, but you've got to stay focused on life-saving measures. And thanks everyone for hanging with us when we figured out the ABCs. <laughs> and I guess we could still be wrong, but for we gotta, our purposes guess we'll now. Just, we're we'll just stay in our lane and use metaphors we understand. <laughs> but anyway, but I think in a betrayal trauma context, when you talk about triage, mm-hmm. there are some things that matter more than others. Mm-hmm. In those those early days, weeks, and it, months. Again, it doesn't mean the others don't matter. Right. Because for full healing to take place, all the wounds need to get attention. Right. You just can't be like, well, I betrayed my partner, so I have to go through life with this like twisted arm forever. Like yeah. it doesn't deserve any attention. But if you're pushing that, and I'm, I'm going to be dramatic for effect here. Sure. <laughs> but if you're pushing that your little scrape on your arm needs and demanding that it get attention now when your partner has just a gaping open leg wound. Right. Then circulation that's issue. Go right. Nowhere. Right. Exactly. That's, I mean, I think that is an important point is that part of the job of the person who broke the trust is also to serve as that triage person. Like they're, they're kind of first on the scene and they need yeah, to like, it's it tricky. It's a crazy situation yeah. where they are the cause of the wound. And they are the main, they are the main source of treatment for healing. And healing and should be the first one to like care about that. Now I recognize that, that the betrayed partner, especially in the early days, weeks after discovery, they absolutely need to bring in other supports. The born who broke the trust cannot be the only support. That's not a great model. Mm -hmm. We know that, but they should be promoting healing. They should be deeply invested in helping that person because Again, there's rare cases where both people have blocked airways. There are cases where I've worked with where both people have been wounded so badly, and we handle that. We deal with both of those in the moment. But if you really are honest and slow it down, most of the time, the betrayed partner is dealing with something that really turns their world upside down and is so traumatic and devastating that they need that kind of care. And 
just, I don't want to complicate this too much, but there's another piece of this that I think is critical, which is part of why a lot of people who have broken trust get into their own stuff and feel like it's so urgent to talk about their pain is because their partner's pain just triggers their pain. Like they're watching their partner hurt and it is so painful to see what you've done. It is so painful to oh, sit with that that, that, you've... that a lot of the times it'll flip over into like my way of coping with dealing with the immense amount of shame and pain I feel for hurting my partner, the person I swore I'd protect is to like deflect that off somewhere else because I can't handle it. And so mm-hmm. oftentimes it goes right back at the betrayed partner. Well, what about my pain? I'm not, the, you know, you're not the only one that's hurting. And, and that's just a way of them mismanaging their own pain around this. And so... That's why it's critical for both people to have supports in place so that they can get out of that really tricky dynamic. It's Mm. hard. Yeah. So we don't want to devalue anybody and say that your pain doesn't matter. It just can't matter at the level that your partner's does. Yeah, there just is an order to things. So if we're going six months, a year down the road, I'm I'm throwing out timeframes, not because there's a certain timeframe that, you know, every case is different. But if you're going down the road and you feel like your partner's still not able to make space for your feelings and your emotions and your pain or doesn't want to look at attachment issues or things like that, I think that's where probably a lot of guys will start to bring this up. A lot of them get the early stuff. Sure. Okay. A lot don't, but a lot a lot of them do. It's probably 50-50. But long term, where they've been doing work and they still feel like, oh, like, can I now bring up hurts and pains and stuff like that? And a lot of them really come at this from, I've seen a lot of them come at it from a place of deep accountability of like, mm-hmm. I'm holding space for what I've done to you. I'm not going to minimize that. But can there be room in our relationship for me to also have hurts and needs and stuff like that? That's a really hard task for a lot of couples. Mm-hmm. It's a really hard task because again, using the, the kind of the breakdown we've been using, she often feels like he might be deflecting accountability or he might be trying to blame her or he might be trying to somehow get out of what they've been doing for so long. You can almost get set in these, this kind of pattern of he's the one that, you know, it's kind of good, bad, right? Mm-hmm. Like you're, you're the bad guy. I'm the good person. And I just gently want to press on that and say couples at some point down the road, when there's been a disclosure, there's been deep accountability, there's been consistent recovery work, yeah. there's been efforts to heal. There's been an extension of just patience and you know, it, let's say everything's going right and the partner, the, pet, the couple is still there. This is where it's going to be critical to invite the betrayed partner out to be able to start talking about why is it scary to let this person in? Yeah. Like this is where they have to start and, stretching. And where are, yeah, where are they keeping themselves yeah. from healing mm-hmm. and allowing the relationship to heal? Yeah. What is scary about that? That's what a betrayed partner has to start asking. Like, why is this hard? We're not going to say you have to jump right into it. We're just no. going to start asking questions. Why is yeah. this scary? What's still not there? And if it's just like, well, they're not safe. They're not this. They're not that. We got to look at those things. Okay, well, what's happening there? Yeah, because they might be. And if those things check out, we still have to keep asking the question, what's keeping you from reaching? We understand yeah. how scary it is. Because if there is real recovery and if there is safety being developed, then that's not sustainable No, for not- somebody just to stay far away that the, the relationship won't survive. Yeah, it's it, it certainly, yeah, whether, yeah, it just is hard to, to stay close to somebody who just constantly sees you as an ongoing threat mm-hmm. when the work is being done. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I, there's things to look at with that. There's things like, 
Had there been previous traumas and betrayals, either from this person or someone else? Mm -hmm. Are there other factors like that need to be addressed and looked at, physical or mental health issues that haven't been identified and worked on? There could be like family patterns or other things, rules around relationships, beliefs about men and women. There, there can be spiritual reasons. There could be there could be all kinds of things, but you have to start asking and talking and looking at that stuff to promote a really like an opening for there to be reconnecting. Um, A lot of this happens naturally. Truthfully, the bulk of couples working a process, they'll eventually just start to come together on their own. And then they need some help to Mm -hmm. kind of nurture that along. But a lot of times it starts to happen organically. Safety starts to come in. Just a series of interactions and baby steps. Slowly. It does go well and go well repeatedly, and that that just starts to build a foundation. But when it doesn't, then that's when these questions have to be asked. So can I just wrap it up real quick? Just kind of summarize. So when the person who's broken the trust is in this place where they're like, ah, when can I stop? How do I cope? What do I do to survive all this? Again, take accountability. Build yourself a support system of people that are friends of the relationship that aren't just going to dogpile your hurt spouse. And then recognize that you have to just keep working on being the healthiest version of yourself that you can. And you keep extending healing, you keep extending connection, you keep honoring and respecting and and allowing them to have their time. And if it's taking longer, but they're still in the relationship, they're still talking to you, there's look for ways that they are trying to connect. You might be surprised. It may not look like you want it to right away, but promote those, encourage those, savor those. Mm -hmm. In my experience, there's connection happening. It just isn't perhaps what you hope or dream it would look like. And then, of course, I always encourage people to get additional support if it's just not working because there might be someone else that can help ask those questions and help you guys work through it. So anything else you want to add? No. Okay. We covered a lot of ground today. Thanks for hanging in there with us. And hopefully this has been helpful to you. So thanks for being with us every single week. And we'll catch you guys in the next episode. Next time.